and you're very welcome to the Irish Photography Podcast, where today we'll be talking about shooting in autumn and cleaning your camera. I don't know who you are, but welcome to the Irish Photography Podcast. Sit back, relax, and listen about cameras, gear, settings, stories, and all things photography. Join Dermot and Darren on Ireland's Best Photography Podcast. Let's go. And you're very welcome to the Irish Photography Podcast. And I'm joined by Sir Darren J. Spoonley, my good old chum. How art thou? <laughs> my good old chum. And on reference there to our last episode with uh, Mr. Photo Tripper, Mr. Gavin Hardcastle. Yeah. What an, what an episode, dude. Absolutely uh, incredible, wasn't it? It was unreal. And it smashed absolutely smashed all the records for yeah. all the podcasts. I couldn't believe it, man. It was like, do you know what? It wasn't just us doing what we normally do. He helped us out so much by he promoting did. us. So fair play to Gavin, Mr. Photo Tripper. A boy, the kid. He, in fairness, legend, by Jake, to not only just put it up from a description point of view, but also to talk about it. And I think it could be interesting how we get on going forward because... Could be some good ideas coming there or that, I think, because hopefully we can get Mr. Adam Gibbs on next, who is the current international landscape photographer of the year. So it'd be phenomenal whoa, 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 to whoa, talk whoa, with whoa, him. Whoa, 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 whoa. I thought Gavin was the international <gasps> controversial, landscape photographer. Controversial, controversial, controversial. <laughs> if, you, if, if you don't understand the story, go watch the YouTube videos and it'll give you a chuckle or two, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know what? I really enjoyed Gavin's episode. I enjoyed, you know, having the chat with him. Sound bloke, really great content. And I think our audience as well really enjoyed it um, for the jokes we had right from the start, almost to the very end. It was constant yeah. laughing, making it. So yeah, good fun. Good fun. I'm yeah. looking forward now to the next part. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Come here. I just coming back to you for a minute there, and I've, I don't know if I've ever asked you this before, but what's J for in Spoonie? Jolly. It <laughs> 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 isn't its whole. <laughs> Go on, tell it. Well, it's not Cornelius anyway. Or, or Cornelius or starts with anyway. a C anyway. Like you remember the Cornelius. I, I was just making up a weird name. All but right, okay. Do you want to share with the general public? Or are we keeping a secret? should be no secret behind it really it's just a bog standard J like you know what I mean it's John okay simple <laughs> it's something that I, I've always wondered I was like what is J stand for I was thinking it's got to be something really awesome that he he really kind of emphasises the fact that you're darn J Spoonly Jedi you know Jedi oh that, that's pretty cool you should have went with that man <laughs> <laughs> you should have said nothing about John well I wasn't that's much so I mundane was, now <laughs> I wasn't much of a Jedi yesterday down in Clarence you know to be honest with you I kind of couldn't find a photograph to be able to go ah yeah that's an incredible shot now I, you know what they say that a bad tradesperson always blames or yeah it was a bad tradesperson always blames their yeah. tools but Correct. like I didn't have the, the length on the lens I suppose to be able to see them from how far they were away but mind you I probably didn't help the fact either that I turn up in the bright red jacket when you're going out to look at <laughs> take photographs of deer <laughs> well Darren at one stage you're like ah oh, damn it I could have had a shot but it's blurry I says why is it blurry I don't know you said to me next thing I looked at the camera at the 60th of a second at a focal length of 200 at f11 I was there Darren for god's sake mother of god Hey, I, I, look, told you, I told you before I'm just a one trick pony 
here, take landscapes. And actually, you know what? I got some nice landscape photos when I was there. We had some beautiful light in the sunrise in the morning. Oh, but man, I did get a couple of um, rare animals, all right, on film, I suppose, or on digital, you know. So I, I captured all of you guys, your bazooka crew, the bazooka boys walking around with your... <laughs> the bazooka boys. Oh, your, yeah. Your, yeah, your you missiles. You should actually create a group, the bazooka boys. Yeah, you have yeah. your profile picture already there from the one that I took with the three of you all lined up. Yeah, it's very good. It's very good. But it was good fun. I got two bangers, two B-key images, man. One from Saturday and one from Sunday. So I went diving in New Key in North Clare, Northwest Clare, and I got an absolute fabulous image of a scorpion fish. I'm not releasing it to the public. I'm keeping it under wraps for a certain competition. And then I did release the picture of the deer. He's mm-hmm. a Sikh, a deer. It's a, apparently, uh, Paul was telling, Paul Madigan was telling me that they're imported from Japan. Uh, but he doesn't know the reason why. But uh, very, absolutely beautiful deer. Cracking image. I fell in love with it the second I took it. I agree. And you showed me and that in the back of the camera. I was like, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Come and have a look at what you <laughs> could have won. <laughs> Unbelievable, unbelievable shot. Yeah, banger, absolute banger. Two of them, boy. Two of them. Yeah, no, it was, it was a great day. It was a great day. I enjoyed hanging up with Kieran again after him. You know, been on the podcast as well, and it was great to kind of, you know, disrupt everybody with my red jacket. Like that was the that was the mission. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for God's sake! Yeah, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. It was. Uh, it was funny that we met. Ah, you you are a victim of uh, a bit of fun for a while, but ah, sure, you enjoyed it, didn't you? As always. Not what you do it for. Very good. All right. All right. All right. Okay. So what we'll do? So was we'll a cut to the start of the show, Darren. Uh, are you excited for today's topics? I am actually, yeah, because you know it's my favorite time of the year, coming into autumn, and it's something that I really, really enjoy getting out as often as I can. And every year, I always say to myself, you know what, I'm going to get out more in autumn. I'm going to get out more in autumn, and I'm going to save some time off and take some time off and go explore in autumn and just. Mm. soak in the colours that are there because it's something I think that you have to be ready to go for when the peak comes but when it comes yeah. it is beautiful because autumn to me just means so much I suppose if even looking out throughout the year because it's something that I would normally do if I see a nice composition or a nice tree during the year I ask myself what would that look like in autumn do you? yeah that's interesting though because I don't <laughs> I I think there's so it's much. Not, it's not it's not me being bad, like you know, but I just I just don't have that vision that you would have for landscape photography, you know. Well, if you think in regards to the trees that are there that you're looking at, I mean, some tre- I don't know anything about trees, and it's something that I said I must learn more of, and I try as much as I can. But I think we discussed that actually before when I was coming back from the states and saying I'm not an expert on trees, but um, some trees will go earlier than others, some tree will go later than others, so you could have a tree which would mean nothing in the summertime because it's green. Okay, it's a nice tree, but it's not going to stand out. But in the autumn, those leaves can go bright yellow. And bang, you've got mm. a tree in the middle of a field surrounded by green grass, blue skies, and a bright yellow tree. And it's only going to last for a short period of time. So you, you, uh, you kind of alluded to it there that you were away on a trip to America. And I'd like to come back to that in a while and kind of pick your brain about that and why you went there and and, and tell me about your trip. But I actually have news on that too, that I found something interesting. So yeah, that's good that oh, you mentioned Oh, you're going again and you're bringing me, is it? <laughs> no, I'm not going this year anyway. Okay, okay. 
But come here, so we'll crack on to what kind of I had in mind for shooting the autumn. And I wanted to pick your brain because you are a landscape photographer and you're very knowledgeable about that kind of side of things. Whereas me, I'll be more of a generalist photographer. I kind of dip my toes in a lot of things like underwater, uh, weddings, uh, a, a newly renowned <laughs> wildlife photographer <laughs> True story, from yeah. the weekend, and which is something I really want to do a bit more. Uh, I just do a lot of genres of photography and I'm the master of absolutely none of them, but I love doing them all. So me, for one, I have a few tips and a few ideas that I would have from my landscape experience and I'd like to share with others. And you would, you might be able to um, add to them if possible, Darren. If that's okay with you, man. Yeah, that's no problem at all. I have a few tips up my sleeve. Like, if you haven't taken them already from me, like, do you know what I mean? Did you watch oh, my video? Very good. Did, did you, yes, Jedi. Yes, oh, yeah. Jedi. Did you get all the ideas <laughs> from my video, yeah? Uh, 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 <laughs> what? What? Was, was that a... Cricket? I don't know. I, I was hearing things. Sorry, Darder. Sorry, what's that? Move on. Off we go. Right, what's okay. point number one? You're going, don't laugh. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. Number one, scout the location. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it is very important. And, and like you can make fun of me all you want, but I think it is a very good idea. And I have done it in recent weeks. I have scouted a location for autumnal colours and if you utilise like things like Google Google Maps or even Flickr and stuff like that use these other apps to your disposal that you can go and check out these areas and see what way the light is going to fall you get to see what trees there are, and then you get to see the composition during the daytime whereas rather than you're walking up to a location in the morning or in the fog and the mist and you can't really see you can't really get your composition Whereas if you do scout the location and see it during the daytime, then you can neutralize your situation. You can say, okay, this is the composition I want on such and such a morning that I'm going to come back in. Yeah? Absolutely. And like, have you ever, you probably don't do much woodland photography, but if you're ever in the wood and you look at an area and you might see that there's a photograph there and it might be in the middle of the summer or it could be during the day, as you say, if you can imagine what that would look like, not only in the autumn time, but also, as you said, they're in conditions with a bit of mist or a bit of fog. Mm. It can create a scene that otherwise is just cluttered because most of the woodland is cluttered, but add fog and mist into that and it just simplifies the whole scene and then add colour into that and you can get some incredible colours. It's incredible then to be able to say, yeah, you know what, that could be amazing. And I absolutely agree with you. And it's fun. I'm amazed you actually say scouting because, you know, you were so adverse to it before, but it is really, really important as far as the autumn goes. Because yeah. if you know a scene and you know an area, you've got a fair idea of where the light is going to be because you're there at one point anyway. Yeah. No, in fairness, no, I have scouted two locations in the last month for coming up to autumn because it's kind of weird. It is kind of late, isn't it? It normally is here a bit slightly earlier. No? Yeah, no, you wouldn't. I always thought years ago that it would have been September, uh, early October, but it's actually around the second week of October, third week of October before you start to see any colours, really. Okay, all right, okay. No, it's just I went up to Cratlow Woods, which is in uh, kind of mid to east Clare. It's quite close to the Limerick border. Mm -hmm. So I went up there looking for new compositions and kind of spots where I could get a photograph. Very hard, very challenging, but I think I've one or two up my sleeve and... And I'd been to the Clare Glens a hundred times, but mm. I went there with no camera, no nothing, just <gasps> to, yes, I know, oh my just God. 
<laughs> this is a revelation. Last you week okay you there? told you're me you don't need a tripod or two weeks ago. And now you're telling me that you've gone <laughs> scouting and that you're looking at an area in advance. Go on. Uh, see, I, and no, I, I know you'd no, you'd no bag either, just yourself to look. Oh my God. Right, go on. Just myself and Lola on my phone. Right, okay. Amazing. Yeah. Go on. And the reason for the phone is so I could actually take a picture of the phone because I found that often enough when I used to go when you made when we went to Bosmere to and you said we're going on a recce whatever like mm-hmm. you know, I understood it from then why we wouldn't bring the camera because if you bring your camera with you it kind of gets in the way of you finding a composition in a, in a weird way mm-hmm. so if you don't have a camera then you're primarily only looking for compositions mm-hmm. do you get me mm-hmm. does that make sense a hundred percent and also we, we said before a long time ago in episode tripods friend or foe because you go with all your gear you got your tripod natural thing is bang set the tripod down camera up in it oh I'm sorted yeah. you're not and like you just bring the phone you'll see so much more movement you're not restricted as you said I, I'm amazed at you by Bula Boss absolute huge Bula Boss there now <laughs> you've really progressed like I mean you're starting to develop a bit of anti-gas as well which is great I, I, in what way? tripods <laughs> you don't need a tripod that's true I don't yeah okay. I've got about five from there. <laughs> I don't need another one. <laughs> True story. <laughs> Imagine if I walked through the door on another tripod. Trish should beat me to death with it, man. That's well, why just, I've... She'd beat you to death with the other five that you have. She's got plenty of ammunition. <laughs> You'd arrive with one. She's already got the arsenal built up of all the other five. Oh, stop. It's gotten to the stage where I'm hiding tripods around the house, like... <laughs> oh my God. Outrageous. I'm joking. I t- that's a joke, though. I d- I'm not that bad. Anyway, uh, so once the kitchen table isn't held up by a tripod, <laughs> <laughs> that'd be so cool. I'd love one, man. There you go. Oh, that that would be absolutely epic, epic. <laughs> so, another tip for landscape or for shooting autumnal colours: don't be restricted to your wide-angle lens. And I'm a victim of this, and I'm sure you are too. And it's someone that gave me a bit of inspiration to use this tool rather than really uh, uh, utilising just my wide angle lens is James R. Burns and the man is notorious for using his telephoto lens break it out use it as a funk buster and finding brand new compositions that you would have never really thought about or used before I was hoping that you were going to say James R. Burns because if you didn't say James R. Burns I would have gone to Limerick and battered you because yeah since that day that we were there and talking in regards to what he uses it's something that I'm delighted that you know you can see it as well and I'm also saying like this the wide angle lens rarely comes off my camera when it does it comes off for me to take some intimate aspects within the landscape and you know what yesterday when we were taking photos and I was like okay I don't have the length in this I mean I had your 70 to 200 <laughs> and I had the 1.4 converter and honestly I think that 1.4 converter made it soft I, I mean okay. I really really do because looking at the images there they weren't even sharp from it and I figure okay. out the exposure in the end and I know like from a focus point of view I said okay I put the dot in it there you go it's done even talking to Kieran, I was like Kieran, there's the focus point but when you zoom in the whole thing was soft but anyhow regardless of that I wouldn't use that again because as you know I'm really impressed with that 70 to 200 it's a phenomenal lens and I loved when Dave went off in search of more deer up in the top field and I walked up through the forest and I said, you know what, no, I'm going to take some photographs of landscape. <laughs> so there I was to take photographs of the deer and I'm with this 7200 with the 1.4, so it's at 300 mil. And I said, I have some fun here. And I really did have some fun playing inside sure. in the woods and taking some really 
unusual shots, but intimate shots. And I got one photo, actually, of a mushroom that I took from the tripod looking straight down using and at 200 mil. And man, I, I said, you know what, I'm going to take off this 1.4 uh, adapter and I took it off and I took this photo and my God, it's a beautiful, beautiful mushroom. So anyway, yeah. That's awesome. I, I enjoy looking at the telephoto. I think it's something which is ph- phenomenal to use in a landscape point of view. And I'm delighted you mentioned James because he does really show, if you haven't checked out his channel, go check out his channel on YouTube, James R. Burns. He uses his... We'll stick a link up. Telephoto very very often and it Say really it does telephoto <laughs> you sound like a computer like an apple macintosh back in 89 yeah i know but yeah it's a phenomenal tool to have so yeah i agree with you break out that zoom yeah now you alluded to it there was my next thing that you could if you didn't have a 7200 because i do know they are quite expensive they're not cheap but if you have a macro lens in any way shape or form that is also a telephoto lens, but it doubles up as a macro lens. Yes. So you can get down and dirty, and you talked about there a minute ago, mushrooms. Yeah. Do you know, all these kind of things like that, like all these leaves and branches and the way they hit, the light hits certain subject matter. So it doesn't have to be the grand vista all the time. Get down on your hands and knees, get dirty. You're going to be wearing crappy clothes anyway, so try broaden your horizon by exploring new opportunities for yourself. And looking on the floor as well opens up so many more opportunities, particularly in the autumn time, because you get all those leaves that fall down there. You get all, if you look at horse chestnuts from a chestnut tree, they're all in the ground right now. And then you get the carcasses of those once they break open. There's so much to photograph on the ground, particularly in autumn. And you know what? I saw a photograph there on some Facebook group and it was an incredible photograph. It was just a leaf on the ground and the lens was in the leaf and the leaf was folding over the top of the lens oh yeah yeah and viewing the scene that was in the distance and it just summed up autumn to me and I think it was incredible like they must have taken a number of focuses to be able to get the whole thing sharp going through yes. it but my yeah. god it was a beautiful beautiful shot and it kind of really summarised to me and I went yeah you know what mm, I want to try and get something like that autumn on the ground is incredible and there's so much from an autumnal colours point of view that you've got to photograph that you normally walk over mushrooms as you say one you're not looking on the ground you're looking ahead of you like D- Dave looking for the deer and there it is yeah. underneath and there was broken logs and broken logs have naturally got moss on them so that has a natural colour all year round effectively so it's going to be a bright luminous green let's just say and then you add in your leaves which are either going to go yellow they're going to go most trees here will go up to brown very quickly unfortunately but you can get yellows you can get reds you can get oranges and now the light coming through that lights up that whole forest floor in that flourish of colours and mm. it's incredible to photograph and if you add into the mix of all that the amazing light we get in autumn and the weather conditions we can get imagine fog bang inside in the woodland it's just incredible do you know it's it it's phenomenal. It's something that I love to photograph, and I don't get to do it much. Like David O'Hearn is the fog mist master of photography. Mm. I've always said it. The dude is so talented, mm. and right, he's he's. I haven't seen anything from him in a while, and I hope he's still doing it now. But he is just awesome at it. So it's something that I want to do a bit more. And if I get half the chance, I'll go. But come here, we'll move on to the rest of the topics of our bullet points that I have for today. And I think this is the most important one out of all of them. And it is a circular or a HD polarizer. polarizer. I mean, it is ridiculously 
important. It's imperative to have one simply because it's going to boost and dramatically increase the vibrance of the colours of the leaves in all your photograph. Not only that, but it'll help take the glare off the leaves on when you're taking a photograph because if you didn't have it on and you're taking a photograph, you'd be surprised because it's so early in the morning, there's going to be dew and water on these leaves. So they're going to be reflecting light from the sun and they can help overexpose your image and you're burning out all the colour and the detail in the leaves. But if you had a polarizer on, it's going to cut through that water, cut through that glare, and then you're going to really boost the saturation of those reds, browns or greens or whatever you have on it, you know? I fully agree with you. I mean, look, I would not do without a polarizer in autumn. It is something which is incredible to have. The only problem with a polarizer is they ain't cheap. Yeah. And if you go off and you're going to buy a polarizer, you can actually buy a lens secondhand for the same price that you're going to pay for that polarizer. Now, the advantage of a polarizer, though, is it's not just used in autumn. And as you said quite rightly, you know, it does all those things in enhancing the color, but also you can now see into water because it takes the sheen off the water as well. So if you've got a pool that's in front of you of not much movement in the water, or even if there is some way movement in the water, you take that shine off, you can see into the water and that will really enhance and make the darks darker. And it changes everything. It does. It, it dramatically just changes the whole scene for you. You get to see things that you've never seen before. You even said it yourself. You were talking to fishermen before and they all have polar, polarised sunglasses so they can see the fish swimming in the water. That's enough evidence for me to use them. But also, it's the only filter that you have to use that you cannot replicate in post. Correct. But coming back to another few points, Darren, I'm just going to come through these kind of quite quickly because I am conscious of time. Um, and I'm kind of just going to bullet reference these bullet points. So colour theory is something that maybe you should have a look at before you get out and outdoors, simply because it'll help you maybe put a photograph together by matching colours and making them kind of into one harmony, so to speak. Contrasting images will always help. Like, Darren, you did a photograph in a recent video when you show uh, give a shout-out to Adam, Adam Gibbs about backlighting the subject matter. And it was a fabulous, fabulous photograph. Shooting during golden hour or the low sun, so you're kind of getting harsh light through the tree from the sides. That can be your friend, or can it be your foe? It can be both, but actually, you know, that image that I showed you there, that's not out actually till after the podcast uh, goes live. But yeah, I was <laughs> uh, a photograph Sorry. that um, <laughs> I took with backlight, and backlight is a big, big part when you think from an autumn point of view, because you can imagine that light coming through those colourful leaves an absolutely very good idea from the colour theory because you can get complementary colours there and it really does change the image absolutely couldn't agree with you more man and one last thing and you think I'm going to be a bit of a mad weirdo to do this right but experiment with your white balance and the reason why I say that is because you can get drastically different results by like I meet myself like I normally would do a lot of time would leave the white uh, white balance in auto and sometimes I change it to what it's supposed to be but if you experiment with your white balance by having it warmer than it really is or cooler than it really is you can get some really creative effects on your image you can and you know make sure you're shooting in raw don't shoot in JPEG oh yeah 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 absolutely so Darren have you any other points on the shooting the autumn that you could bring to the table? Uh, just a couple of very quick ones, I suppose. And, you know, if you haven't watched it already, check out my video I created on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
getting ready for autumn. But no, I, I had similar idea and I made the video just because I think it's really good to prepare. And I've, as I said, I love autumn for everything that it brings. But there's a couple of extra things I would say there is one look for contrast in the scene because it really does help to bring the whole scene itself to light. And you kind of alluded to it there with the bright light in the background, but that's one area. But something I think which is important is gear. And again, you know, you're going out in the autumn time. Okay, grand job. Make sure you got clothes that's going to protect you from the rain and get a spare set of clothes as well. You're not in the summer anymore, you're not in the winter, but you are going to be in downpours and if you get cut out in downpours, there's nothing worse than in being in beautiful conditions but you're sopping wet. So just, you know, make sure you got spares in clothes and make sure you get spares in batteries and also, I go back, like I said it in the video, but I said it here on the podcast before, always put an SD card in the glove box in your car. Yep. Amen. But I'm I'm really excited for autumn, Dermot. I think it's phenomenal. And you know, I said second go or at the beginning that uh, I had news about my trip uh, last year, right? So from the autumn point of view, because I went last year, I went to the states. It was a family trip. I didn't go there specifically, but it just happened to coincide, you know, conveniently with the <laughs> autumn colours. And I was excited. I was arriving there at peak and everything else. But I made a set of videos, and it was phenomenal. But there was one video, right? that I knew I had made because I made them all quickly. I made them all together when I came back. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I was editing, I don't know, every spare moment that I had, but it was in the evening time. And I've made, I made them all as quick as I could. So I think there was 13 episodes. But in actual fact, there was, four, wow. there was 14 episodes. There was one episode that I couldn't find. It was gone. What do you mean it was gone? Gone. There was no sign of it whatsoever. I knew I'd made it. And I looked at my... Did the Grinch just steal it off your computer or something? I don't know. I looked at my computer. I was like, okay, where's that file? But I remember then is that I did a changeover on hard disks. So I was like, oh man, maybe it's gone. I said, you know what? I got 13 out of it. Like, it's perfectly fine. It's okay, you know? Right? Yeah. I found it. (laughs) Oh my God. Are we going to see it? So I actually had 14 episodes that I had recorded and this one was a phenomenal spot. Um, It was on my final morning of when I was there and I spent the morning in a place called the Wisconsin Dells and that's like I suppose the Disneyland kind of thing you know but for adults like but water parks and everything else and theme parks and all that kind of stuff right I love those places but it's a whole place it's like it's called the Wisconsin Dells and there's a load of stuff that goes on there but it's part of the driftless zone where the glaciers came across the north of America and they flattened quite a lot but this area wasn't affected by it so there was no flattening of the glaciers there so you actually have kind of caverns and stuff like that it's where I found a couple of beautiful caverns right but Mm. I spent the night there and I woke up in the morning right on the river and it was completely flat calm water but for me to shoot there was a jetty and the jetty was on the water so I was lucky for two things number one I I didn't want to shoot on the jetty because it was horrible there was a boat parked there it wouldn't have been the nicest thing so I said okay I'll go out to the front of the jetty but because it's a floating jetty every time I stood on the jetty I got movement and which means it disrupted the flatness of the water so two things number one I was haunted that I had my uh, Hanel Capture Pro because I was able to use that remotely wirelessly so I was able to stand back on solid land have the camera set up but because it was dawn and because the light was changing I decided that on this one occasion I'd set the camera on aperture so it would automatically adjust the light 
are just shutter speed oh, for good, the yeah. light. Yeah. So I didn't have to worry to going back out because like I said, every time I go back out there, it would create ripples going across the water, which would ruin the flatness. So the episode is shoot in aperture mode and I lost it, but now I found it. So I'll be releasing that in a couple of weeks. But it's mad you mentioned it at the beginning because I just found it there yesterday. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay, and tell me this now, right? The... Looking back at this video, right, this is done, what, 12 months ago? Yeah, uh, I rec- yeah, recorded around 11 months ago, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Has your YouTubeness, <laughs> if that's really a word, <laughs> has your YouTubeness developed to a whole new level that you look back on this and go, should I release this? It's not as good as I am now. Well, I don't think I'm any better now, but I have seen a change in regards to how I would do things back then. Um, you know what? I think this, this the trip in the States actually did change me from making videos because I had so many and I was there for the period of time. I mean, I was only, tra- I was only out for a total of 36 hours. And I got all oh, wow. that out into it. But I mean, I kind of was smart with my time, but I kind of said I'd made so many it was like as if I was feel I was daily vlogging. Do you know what kind of way I was just recording it and yeah. bang, bang, bang. It kind of came natural at the end of it. But it had changed how I created my videos after that because I used that to create a small bit of a trailer. And it's the only one I've ever had that I would do a trailer at the beginning of the series. But I don't know, like, it did change how I did, how I did things. Yes, of course, I think I've gotten more polished in what I do, but I wouldn't say that I'm any better but I do see differences absolutely and I will be releasing it I think it's a very interesting one to think about because I enjoyed making it you know can't wait to see it can't wait all right so look guys hold that thought we are going to come back and listen to about how to clean your camera the dangers and the pros and cons and uh, we're just going to have a quick word from our sponsor do you want to take your photography up a level do you want to hit that shutter from 100 feet away or perhaps you'd like to take your images remotely. With a built-in motion, light and sound sensor, you can capture unique shots and incredible time lapses. The Capture Pro from Halo has got all that covered and more. Visit halo.ie. And you're very welcome back to the Irish Photography Podcast. So we're gonna jump right into the thick of it, guys. How to clean your camera. It's a dangerous thing to do but it is also a rewarding thing to do. Now, when I first got my DSLR camera, I didn't know what sensor dust was or dust spots or anything like that. I just thought there were stupid little things in the sky or something, and I just, these artifacts, I didn't know what they were actually were. But lo and behold, they were sensor dust and they were ruining my images. And one example is I had a lovely image of Limerick City where the, it was kind of the blue hour and the sun was gone and it was just all these lovely kind of orange glow on the horizon and this blue menacing sky and it had a starburst which I was shooting for the first time also and my father absolutely loved the image so I said dear mate can you frame me that picture I want this so I was like absolutely yeah 100% so I got the image from my dad framed it and then all of a sudden there's a dust spot on the photograph and after I get in the frame and everything, I didn't spot it. So it kind of upset me. 
that I went through all that bother and then the picture is still to this day, he's still hung in his hallway. I'm still upset about it. It annoys me when I see it. You know, I just want to go in with a real life spot removal tool <laughs> and take it out of the picture, you know. It's funny you say because I have exactly the similar thing with a photo I took. And it was one of the first pictures I ever got printed and it was a picture of Black Rock Castle. And it was Black Rock Castle. Mm. It's not the greatest of pictures. I mean, it was just nice. I enjoyed it making it at the time I got it printed. And a friend of mine has a print company. He printed it on acrylic for me. And I was like, yeah, oh, look lovely. at this, man. This looks class. I went, oh, no. Stunning. Man. There it is. Big sensor spot right <laughs> up in the middle of it, our dust spot. Isn't it a heart wrencher? It's horrible. But you know what? I, I learned something on Lightroom to make sure I don't get them anymore anyway. So that was a very... Tell us, Darren. Uh, it sounds very strange, but it's actually very helpful. Is if you're in Lightroom, just take your dehaze and bump it all the way yes. up to 100, and you will see every single blemish that you have in your image and a sensor spot, some that you would never see otherwise. Even if you put in spot removal and you push whatever that tick button is to show something, yeah. you won't see it uh, in regards to as good as just bumping dehaze all the way up to 100. Just make sure you bring dehaze back down there afterwards. But you never keep it in it because it will destroy your image. But it shows you all the sensor spots and all the dust spots. So if you do have uh, spots on your sensor and you are lucky enough to spot them during processing <laughs> as opposed to like you and I afterwards when you look at it on the wall. I mean, your dad looks at it on the <laughs> wall, fair enough, in his house, but I look at mine on my wall every time I look at it. That's all I see and I hate it. So <laughs> I don't want to have any uh, dust on my sensor. Thank you very much. Not at all. Not at all. So getting down and dirty into cleaning your camera, uh, excuse the pun. One thing you can actually use is a soft bristled brush. You can Get them anywhere. You can get them in cons, wheelings, or whatever. They're relatively relatively cheap. You maybe five, ten euros for this kind of little pen brush, and it's got kind of um, you know, like when you click a wire, it kind of slides out this bristle brush, and that can clean your mirror inside your lens camera pen. for you. Or, yeah, lens pen. So that can help Not you sponsored clean by the, lens pen. <laughs> is, I've no idea what a lens pen is never heard of it I'll go with a tire and I'll pretend and, yeah lens pen use them all the time lovely great too but anyway yes you can use them for the, uh, numerous things you can use them for the the, the viewfinder do you know because Carpe Dave and Higginbottom dude guy <laughs> was telling me that he cleaned his camera but his got dust spot on his optical viewfinder so he needs to clean that so you could use the brush to clean there, inside there. Not only that, but you can clean your mirror and then you can clean the lens itself. You can also get a soft toothbrush, okay? And do not clean your sensor with a soft toothbrush, Darren, just in case. There's a disclaimer. Also, disclaimer, moving forward, you do this at your own risk. Do not come back to me and say, I screwed up my sensor because Dermot told me to do it, okay? We got that out of the way. And do not done. use a Brillo pad. It is a myth. It was, it's not <laughs> I'm true. Brillo it pad. doesn't work. Whoever told you it does work, they're lying to you, right? They're lying to you. Don't use a Brillo pad. I'll tell you what, Darren. I, we're going to deviate from this just for a minute and a half, right? I promise you're probably going to laugh or else cry. <laughs> so <laughs> I was about six, seven years of age. And you know, when, dad, when you're that age, you like... Yeah, I want money. I want to buy sweets in the shop. Oh, you know, no. like the local shopkeeper's got 
Twixes and finger bars and coke. And when you're that age, you ain't got no money, man. You know? Everything, you know hang on, mind you, everything was a penny sweet back then. Penny sweets are gone now, like. Yeah, I know. So, we, me and my buddies came up with a great idea. An unbelievable idea. We said, we'll wash cars around the road <laughs> for a pound, right? So we're like, yeah, yeah. So we, said, we got a few customers, clients, I'll call them, <laughs> at no seven way. years of age. No way. And we got the money. And to be fair, front. We, we washed the cars up front, oh right? So then my uncle pulls up in his car and he only had it about a month. Lovely car at the time. So <laughs> he, I says, Uncle Noli, do you want us to wash your car? Only a pound, buddy. <laughs> and he's like, fair play to you, boy. Here you go. Give me the pound straight up. And my um, f- sponge bust, right? So like, oh, man, I've no more sponge. I better go into the house and <laughs> find something to clean the car with. <laughs> I went in and got a Brillo pad. Oh, my God. And walked clean past everyone with the Brillo pad. No one said nothing to me. Oh, my God. I went out anyway and I washed his car with a Brillo pad. Oh my God, he came out, he said, every word under the sun. And you know what? I'm afraid to say it to my parents to this day because I don't want to know what the outcome was. I destroyed his car, bonnet, wings, doors, boots, everywhere. Everywhere. Oh my God. Come here, Uncle Noel, fair play to you, boy, for keeping your cool there on that one. That's absolutely outrageous, Dermot. Outrageous. He didn't keep his cool. He didn't. What do you mean? At all. You're still alive today. That's keeping his cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I ruined his car. I feel so bad now that I think about it. Jesus, my yeah. God. Anyway. So yeah, don't clean your camera with, <laughs> with a Brillo pad. I'm still in shock oh, that, that one, up? actually. No, that's only something that you'd ever hear about in the movies. Like, I mean, that's like, a, you know, I yeah. can't believe that. Like, yeah, I heard this one's about rocks, but like a Brillo pad, like, <laughs> did you get it extra clean? Did you not think it was strange, the colour coming off? Like, When it's wet, you don't see it coming off. Look at all the suds. What colour was his car? Blue? It was a kind of a greeny colour. You know that? that was the thing All the then. suds are the same colour. Ah oh, man, that's bad. I feel bad for him. I feel bad for him too. That's absolutely <laughs> diabolical. You better move on quickly right. here to hang on a second. Hang yes. on. You're about to give people, okay, not sanctioned advice. I was seven to, years of age, Darren. <laughs> I hope you've learned a few things now since then. Like, you know what I mean? I should never have brought up the Brillo pad. I apologize, Uncle Noel. Go on anyway. <laughs> Oh, yeah, maybe we shouldn't have talked about this topic tonight. (laughs) (coughs) Go on. Excuse me. Okay, okay, I'm going, I'm moving, I'm moving. So, a soft toothbrush, what you can do is, like, do you know when you change in your focus, the barrel on your focus, this kind of a rubberized material, and dirt and grime can get into that, right? You can use a toothbrush to clean the lens of your camera. So it gets rid of all the dirt and the grime in between it. So it looks lovely and clean. Also, you can use a lens cloth, which is quite good. You can clean the front element of your camera. You can clean the rear element of the camera, not the camera, the lens. You can use a blower. Now, the caveat with the blower, please hold the camera 
facing downwards. The bayonet has to be pointing downwards. And then you can stick the blower up a small bit and blow in around. The reason why you're holding it downwards is simply because gravity if you have it upwards and you blow it in then you're only blowing the dust in around the camera body or in around the sensor whereas if you hold it down you blow it it's going to fall down gravity will take effect and hopefully take the dust down uh moving on to a wet clean <clears throat> a wet clean is where you can really uh utilize making your camera i mean like super squeaky Clean. I have the best, I have the best, best, bestest idea ever. The bestest type of wet clean that you can get. Forget about going to all the camera shops and everything else to do it. Right? The bestest way to do a wet clean is... With fluid? Dishwasher. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus, Darren, mother of God. <laughs> I had an idea there. You are as my, bad as um, me. No, I had an idea after one of my cameras, well, my, one of my cameras, I don't have many cameras, so my first camera that I had decided that it wanted to go for marks out of 10 to have a dive into the sea in Hoth. And uh, it never... Oh, that, was to, that was John Myler's fault, wasn't John it? John Myler and Kevin Foley, yeah. So, yeah, it was their fault. Um, yeah. I had this mad idea of one time to do a couple of things, actually. Number one was to do a video with the kids and a basin and tell them that I'd asked them to clean my something and this is how they were cleaning the camera was dipping the camera into a basin of suds with a sponge and stuff like that probably would have given them a bellow pad too but I was before that then thinking that it would be great to take a picture of the camera in the tray of the dishwasher already and locked and loaded that I'm now first time cleaning my own sensor just wish me luck (laughs) (laughs) that is absolutely golden yeah, so no, actually, you know what? The best thing to clean or wet clean is not a dishwasher, okay? Contrary to popular belief, but yeah, go on. I'm sorry, I hijacked you there. What is the best uh, aspect of a wet clean? Right, the best aspect of a wet clean, and this is where I can kind of get a bit dodgy at times because at the end of the day, the sensor is the most important part of your camera. So please do take great care doing it. So to do a wet clean, you have to have the right materials. So you're going to need this uh, thing called Eclipse Optical Cleaning Fluid. You can buy it in Wheelins or Cons or wherever. You can buy it online. I You can get it anywhere, okay? That is the best one to get. You can get other ones, but I just I can't recommend them because I haven't used them, okay? Eclipse is the best one that I know of, and it's probably the more expensive ones. So... Look, spend a few bob on that and uh, you, you won't be gone too wrong. And it's actually came down in price now. I think it's only about 30 or 20 quid now for a small little bottle of it. But it will last you a long, long time. So you're going to need these things called swabs. And it's very important to get the right swab for your camera. Now, you don't have to go in and get Sony swabs or Nikon swabs or Canon swabs. All you have to do is get an APS-C swab or a full frame sensor swab. They are obviously different sizes. So a full frame swab is going to be a 35 mil width distance. So you're going to get that one and use that for a full frame. And the APS-C one is obviously smaller. Uh, They're cheapest chips. You can buy them anywhere. You can get them inside Whelan's. That's where I used to get mine. Uh, You can get them up in Cons also. Barkers have them too. Barkers, yeah, Paddy. He actually added, I actually added him as a friend on Facebook today. I didn't realize I wasn't friends with him. So I was like, ah, Paddy. I was like, we're not friends. <laughs> so I clicked the add friend button. So yeah, fair play to him. He accepted my friend request. Thank you, Paddy. You're, you're a true gent, my friend. <laughs> but moving on. <laughs> so 
did when you're shooting or shooting when you're cleaning your camera wet clean uh ibis cameras have a different process of cleaning simply because uh, an ibis camera like a sony a7r mark two three four whatever it is that sensor actually moves inside the camera so you have to go through a process where you have to go to the cleaning menu and then you have to press a certain few buttons I can't exactly remember because I don't own a Sony anymore. I don't do it. But you, I think you have to do a press manual clean and you have to leave the camera on. And I was a bit weary at first about that. But you do because if you turn it off, then the sensor is going to move again. So when it does this, it's, it's going to hold the sensor in place so you can clean it. Yeah, that makes sense. But I mean, you know, Sony cameras don't have that super curtain that the Canon EOS R has. So your sensor is always going to be wide open and visible. So there's nothing there to stop that. So, you know, I know, I imagine from your point of view, you should have known how to do it because you've had to clean it so often and had a Sony. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's, it, that's, it is exactly what I just said there, but I just don't know exactly what the menu system, because Sony have the most shambolic menu system I've ever used in my life. Um, but if you want to see how many bad sensor spots you actually have, is what you need to do is set your camera to uh, the narrowest aperture you can get, whether it's f16, 18, 22, 39, it doesn't matter. Set it to the most narrow aperture that you have, and set it for an exposure uh, meter of what to zero in your meter, uh, whether it be two seconds, three seconds, four seconds, or whatever. But make sure it's a long exposure, and point it towards a white wall. So then you just once you press the shutter button, I want you to hold the camera, move it up, down, side, left to right, and then you can see the final image. Press play on the camera and then you can go in and you can actually see exactly where the sensor spots are and you can see exactly how dirty your sensor is. So then when you go in and do your wet clean and then you come back and then you can do that again, then you're going to see exactly how much cleaner your camera has actually gotten. And you mightn't even get them all. You might have to go back and do a second clean, which has happened to me once in a while. It happened to me a lot of times when I tried to clean my own sensor and I gave up on it pretty quickly because you think you get it. And then there's that one small little piece and you can see it when you take that photograph and you're putting in those swabs and I couldn't for the life of me get it to attach itself to the swab and all I was doing was moving it around the actual sensor itself. So I'd take a photo, I'd see it on the top right hand corner and don't forget when you're taking a photo in regards to that, it's the opposite. So it's up the top right hand corner, it's down the bottom left hand side of the sensor. So... It took me a while to figure that out because I was like, I'm top of the collar, it's spotlessly clean, there's nothing wrong here. And then I, <laughs> I do it and then I say, like, oh, gee, okay, I cleaned the other end and it was gone, but all of a sudden it was now in the centre. Eventually I got it, but it can be quite frustrating, but you have to be very, very careful because your sensor is the most important part of the camera. Yeah, couldn't agree with you more, man. But now saying that though, I tell you, um, I have the 60, since I got the 60, since my 70, they decided to go for 10 or a 10 on the triple axis twist with a pike dive into the sea in Hoth. Um, I got a 60 and I bought it in cons on that day and uh, I got lifetime sensor cleaning as part of that with cons. So I no longer have to worry about oh, wow. that. So I can just basically bring the camera into them and they'll give me uh, sensor cleaning, which is great. But you know what? You can go around all the different things and spend a long time in getting it done. But if you understand your camera in the first part and what to be careful of to avoid getting sensor spots or avoid getting dust into your sensor or into the back of your lens, which is the other problem that people don't think of. Because when you see that 
dust spot, you're cleaning your sensor, but don't forget that also could be in your lens. Yeah, yeah. It's a dodgy game, isn't it? It is, it is, but knowing the equipment, and one of the guys actually in Cannes had taught me when I was getting it cleaned at one point that some of the cameras, and the 60 is one, is where the SD card goes in, there's a hole there directly links and faces onto the sensor. So your drawer that you open at the side to release your SD card, even though it's not weather sealed, it stops dust going in there. So if you ever take that out and leave the door open on the 6D, you risk dust being able to go straight in to the sensor. No way. Yeah. Never knew that. Yeah. You learn something new every day, man. Mm. Brilliant, brilliant. So yeah, we're coming to the end of it, guys. And one last thing that I would do if when you're cleaning your sensor is to make sure you clean all your dust caps as well also because I remember one time I cleaned David Woodland's sensor or sensor for him and put the lens back on for him. And then he put the, the lens cap on the camera body itself and there was dust all over the inside of that. And then he said, man, did you clean my camera at all? I was like, I absolutely did. I gave it like two swabs, like, you know, I really gave it a really intense clean. Mm -hmm. And he's like, man, there's dust spots all over it. And I was like, man, that can't be right. And he brought it back to me about an hour later and, was, and there was dust spots all over it. I was like, how the hell did this happen? And the, when I took off the lens cap, you could see the dust on the inside of it. So just be wary of that. Don't forget, clean the inside of your, uh, your dust caps and the bayonet of the camera also can be a host for sensor dust and grime and crap like that. So give it a, a bit of a wipe with one of these uh, wipes, camera wipes. Yeah, and just the other point I'd make on that is that if you do know that you have sensor spots and you don't want to try and do it yourself, because it is a risk to do, okay? You know, you can send it off to a store to get it done, but if you don't elect to do that, just know where they are. So in, in Lightroom yeah. or whatever it may have been, you go in, it's the first thing that you'll do. Take them out, you know it's the first thing that you gotta do. It might be a pain in the backside to do it. You might have two, you might have one. If you've got 10, you're gonna do it every time, you know, it's gonna be a pain again to be able to do that. Then you might have to go to the point and saying, okay, I gotta get it professionally cleaned or do it myself. Yeah, and it's a good thing you brought up professionally cleaning because from my bit of homework, there is two places that do them here in Ireland and Whelan's will be one of the shops that they do them. And what they do is Dave Whelan himself cleans the cameras in, the, in there and he does that for 40 euros, but it's on weekdays only that'll be done and he is the only one that'll do it. So if, he, if he's not in, you're not getting it done. Um, also... Yeah, and also as cons, and I don't know what the price of it is in cons because, like I say, mine is part of the purchase of the camera, which is a great deal at the time. But um, I'm sure you know one of the guys there, active listeners of the podcast, will be able to tell us on the Facebook group what the prices are. Maybe they'll give us a special price for Irish photography podcast listeners on sensor cleaning. Maybe, maybe. But the uh, Garrett Fairplay Tim, he did give me the prices, and I'm not too sure. I could be wrong. I don't think they're giving that deal anymore, Darren. I think you're just one of the lucky ones that got that. Uh, free lifetime uh, sensor clean Maybe. but they're doing it now for for cameras not bought from cons a dry clean is 50 euros okay and a wet clean is 100 euros so but if you do buy them from him then I though he didn't tell me exactly what the prices are but I'd say look if they are bought from there I'm sure they're going to be significantly cheaper so food for thought you have all the information there guys but like I said 
be very, very careful. The worst case scenario, you can scratch your sensor and absolutely ruin it. And if that's the situation, then you're going to have to send it away to Canon, Sony, Nikon, wherever you go, and get a brand new sensor. And if you've done that, you may as well just buy a new camera altogether. Yeah, I agree. And uh, don't take the risk, you know, just look at getting it done properly because if you mess up, you mess up. But it's not that difficult to do in the bigger scheme of things as well. I mean, look, if it was extremely difficult to do, you wouldn't be able to buy the products that you need to do it over the country. You'd have to go off and do a course to do it. I mean, you don't need to do a course to clean your sensor. But at the point, same point, make sure your whole camera gear is clean. And one thing I would say, you mentioned about the caps, your bag. If you're at the beach yeah, and you open your bag, you're going to get sand and if there's wind and there's always wind in Ireland, but if there's wind and it goes anywhere near that bag, that risks being in your bag. And effectively, those grains of sand, they're like little diamonds and they'll cut your glass if you put a cloth and all of a sudden with your vigour that you're cleaning the front of the element with and there's a piece of sand on that. That's the end of that, I'm afraid. There's no cleaning can fix it. So just make sure your yeah. bag is always clean. I thought you said that'll cut your ass. And I was there going, what? <laughs> 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 I have no response to that one, I'm afraid. <laughs> All right, so guys, we're going to go for one last break and we'll be right back with the news. Canon, Nikon, Sony, all great batteries, but at a great cost. Extreme batteries from Hanel are affordable and have increased ultra high capacity, extra durability in stream conditions, shock absorbing construction, and better yet, they even come in orange. Get yours now at hill.ie. It's one thing when a non-profit asks for a freebie, or an influencer offers exposure for your services, but what just happened to photographer Tim Wallace is on a whole nother level. Wallace was recently asked to provide prints to a millionaire who didn't have the budget to purchase them for their 12 million coastal retreat home. Ah. Wallace shared the text of the email exchange with DIY Photography. The initial request came from the millionaire's designer who said that they were working to remodel their 12 million coastal retreat home. The wealthy client apparently loves Wallace's work and would like some prints of his car photography for their entryway. It says here, Hi, I have a very important client that I'm working with a remodel of their 12 million coastal retreat home. They love their classic car work and would like to have such and such print for their hallway as you enter their home. At first, you imagine that this email was about to lead to a very healthy commission, mm-hmm. but then the designer hits Wallace with this line. They unfortunately don't have any budget for this, however, so I was wondering if you'd be interested in sending us the higher resolution files if we did the printing so that there's no cost to yourself. <laughs> well, who who, who did this come from? The designer? Yes, the designer. Oh, good God almighty. So, Wallace responds as incredulously as you might expect, and while he chose to use some harsh language and healthy dose of snark, it's hard to blame him for being angry at his request. And his response in full Hi, 
Oh, wow. That's so cool. And thank you so much for the kind feedback regarding my work. It's such a tempting offer to supply them with my work for absolutely no benefits to my business whatsoever. And it's hard to know what to say. I think the fact that they have the revenue to purchase a 12 million second coastal retreat home would suggest that the type of people who feel that they deserve the very best but shouldn't have to pay for it. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't really do business with cheap people and offer your offer clearly shows me that while they love my work, they do not respect the hard work that goes into creating that. Therefore, I would have to respectively suggest that you stick some of that overpriced driftwood art that you interior <coughs> designers are always so good at knocking out of the wall instead. I am assuming that you are getting paid or do they love your work too? <laughs> <laughs> lucky you, it's such a fabulous project and you're so lucky to be in their presence. Good luck with it all. <laughs> <laughs> Any reply? I bet there wasn't. No, no. So that story just resonated with me and I had to share it with you all. I mean, wow, fair play to Wallace, man. That's double wow, man. That's just incredible. Yeah, I couldn't believe it, man. $12 million and they couldn't pony up a few pounds to pay for a few images. Like, I don't think wow. it was the millionaires that were doing it. I think it was a designer who had maxed out their budget and then on stupid pieces of artwork more than likely and then decided that they wanted or forgot that they had to have this picture and they'd already maxed out in there. I don't think the, if the millionaire was so passionate about their work, I think they would have yeah. understood because they had money, how you make money. And I don't think they would have done it. I don't think, but who knows? But yeah, incredible story. You never know, you never know. The world's smallest full frame mirrorless camera, the Sigma FP was announced way back in July with pricing and info and released it TBD. But if the latest leaks and a mistake by Sigma itself are to be trusted, it seems now we have both of these pieces of information. First, the price. Just as... Oh God, here we go. You ready? <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Just as Nokishita published a tweet. Damn, I'm getting good at this. <laughs> claiming that the Sigma FP would cost an approximately $2,000 for the body only and $2,450 for the body and the 45mm kit lens. The Sigma website itself let the cat out of the bag, as pointed out by photo rumors. The source code of the Sigma FP website revealed that the pricing would actually be $1,899. The mistake has since been fixed, but not before going to photo rumors and gra they grabbed a screenshot. So we'll post the photo on the Facebook page of the screenshot. This leak seeks to confirm the information shared by Nokishita, who also reported the majority of the accessories for the Sigma FP will be released on October 25th, leading us to believe that the camera itself will be released then too. Previous rumors indicated on October 20 release date, so it isn't far off the mark. This tiny little camera is a major departure for Sigma, whose attempts at making a digital camera so far have been focused on using Fovian sensors. Good pronunciation, yeah. While they. Did I get it? Oh, yeah, man. I'm telling you, I had a dictionary this year. While they have some advantages, 
they never really caught on on the mass market. If the pricing leak is correct, Sigma's first full frame mirrorless designed around the L mount will be tempting alternative to Sony A7 III, Canon SR, the Nikon Z6 and the Panasonic S1. And if the specs and customability are anything to judge by, it'll be particularly tempting for video shooters also. That's really exciting news. The, sen the Sigma sensor, the Fovian sensor, is a phenomenal sensor. It's the only sensor in the world that is three layers and it breaks it up into the RGBs and then it captures the light from each of those and combines them into the one image uh, afterwards. So most sensors have everything built in in the one. This has three effective sensors, one for each of the types of light and they're a phenomenal sensor. They are a bit quirky, they are a bit slower from what I've used on the Sigma um, DP3 and I've yet to use the Sigma uh, Quattro SD which I'm looking forward to using that but the Fovian sensor is phenomenal and I think that camera, if you think of the price of it, you know, I mean it's a full frame camera including a lens and a Sigma kit lens, I mean come on, that's not going to be a standard plastic kit lens, it's going to be a Sigma lens and it's going to be a good lens mm -hmm. so I think that's a phenomenal development and I think it's something which could shake things up if it's going to be as good from an all-round capability point of view it could be exciting because I love the colour rendition that you get from Sigma lenses and I definitely love the colour rendition that I got from the Sigma DP3. Yeah they are fantastic and to be fair Darren things have been shaken up quite a lot anyway regardless and then a new competitor into the market with a full frame mirrorless camera I'm all on for that buddy. And Sigma are part of the I was going to say the Frono photo, but it's not the Frono photo. It's part of... Alliance! Yeah, Frono photo. I think I just woke but up. The whole family. Yes. So, <laughs> you know, I think it could be quite interesting um, where we go from here. And again, the form factor, the history, the quality that goes with Sigma. I think that is phenomenal. Awesome. Darren... I was looking for a bit of information that you sent me during the week and I've no link to it. I couldn't find it. Now, I didn't try too hard, but you have some information for me there, don't just you? Just a quick update on a story that we featured a couple of weeks back on our news. is about a couple who were travelling from Australia to England or England to Australia and they were documenting their trip and they were vlogging along the way. And you mentioned that they flew their drone right on the border of Pakistan and that they were arrested in regards to it. Well, good news they got released so they can continue on their uh, journey which is great because I was worried for them because you wouldn't know what would happen but yeah just a quick update good news feel good they got released and off they go now start vlogging through down the main streets of Baghdad and sure they got you know they can get away with it now <laughs> <laughs> true true alright so guys that's it for this week thank you very much for tuning in and listening to the podcast we hope you've really enjoyed your show and to further your experience of the podcast why don't you go over to Facebook and join the Facebook group all you have to do is answer some silly little questions about who's the host of the Irish Trophy podcast I'm Dermot he's Darren and I'm out the cap see you later guys longer fall everybody Ayo. Hey guys, if you dig what you're hearing, why don't you jump over to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a five-star rating, and don't forget to share with your friends. With all that done, we'll see you next week, and remember, keep shooting.